Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. I am Rana Hussain, your host, and with me via Zoom, because we are Melbournians in lockdown, is AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani. How are you, Gemma? I'm great. I've had a great day despite lockdown. Uh, yeah, so it's all good. I'm just watching my audio recording and make sure it's working, and we're all good. <laughs> How am I sounding, Gemma? You sound wonderful, Rana. <laughs> Let's get our spotlight fired up and point it towards some teams we want to celebrate from the last round. It was a resilient Freo that have impressed you this week, Gemma. Yeah, so I think uh, th- they did lose, but I think this Freo game on Sunday was the definition of an honourable loss. I think that phrase gets thrown around a lot, but I think this is an example of it. So Frio have already been battling selection issues this year and they've had some injury issues for the past few years where they've just never really been able to get their first choice 22 on the park. Um, that that was the case again this week and then they had Tabena as a late out, which was less than ideal. Um, and then throughout the game, they were, their players were dropping like flies to the point and, and key players too. So Sean Darcy, Nathan Fife. So by the end of the game, they had one player left on the bench. And th- this is coming up against a dog side that has already had 200 point wins, 100 plus point wins this year. So for them to keep within that five or so goal margin, which, you know, with a few minutes remaining, it was only a couple of goals. I think as much as it sucks to have the loss and as a supporter, it doesn't provide much comfort right now. The The idea that there's enough depth in this list, enough resilience in this list to actually do some good things when they do get a bit of luck, I think that's a really encouraging sign as well. So it sucks right now, but it'll be good for the long-term future. I, I'm always behind Freo. I have a, such a soft spot for them. I don't really know why, because I don't know what a docker is. But yeah, it's a Western Australian thing. I don't need to worry about it, do I? Uh, <laughs> let's move on, given I have, I'm clearly not contributing anything to this conversation. Um, this is an interesting one from you, Gemma. Not many people are seeing an upside at Collingwood at the moment, but you have found one. Yeah, I know they got a win this week, and it's a weird caveat to put on something... Um, <laughs> 
you know what I mean? But uh, there's been a lot of negative talk about Collingwood. They're not getting a lot of things right off the field. On the field, they're playing a game style that isn't overly attractive. It's not overly watchable. Um, they're involved in one of the worst games of football we've ever seen last week. They got the win this week, but I think overarching the positive for Collingwood fans to take out of this season is going to be these young players that are stepping up. And Caleb Poulter is a really obvious one. He kicked a goal. He had 20 touches, 10 marks, 482 metres gain and six score involvement. So not only is he coming in and fitting into the side, he's also having an impact. Um, Trent Bianco is another one in his second game. He kicked his first ever goal. He had 16 touches, 302 metres gained, five score involvements. So again, they're players that are playing proactive attacking footy. It's not just getting a getting kind of a mark and an uncontested kick on the half-back flank. They're actually moving the ball forward, having some positive play. And then the other one to add on top is Bo McCreary, who's out with an injury at the moment. But he's such an exciting forward um, that... Colin can kind, of, can kind of build that forward line around. Again, we're thinking long-term here. We're not thinking immediate positives, but like Frio have it, fans having something to latch onto in terms of the the potential of their list, I think Collingwood can latch onto these three young players um, looking towards the future and getting excited about them. Yeah, I think this ties into a question we got a few weeks ago about what do you do when your team's in a rebuild? And as a fan, how do you latch on to something? And and this is, you're basically giving Collingwood fans something to be hopeful about, Gemma. And I think that's, the, that's it's so important because you can feel really low when your team's not doing well. And I feel for Collingwood fans so much at the moment. That club is just, there's so much going on there that isn't fun. So, you know, there you go. You've got something to look at. I think as well, that people aren't really saying about Collingwood is that they're not getting thrashed. They're clearly in a rebuild. They're defending quite well. They're not scoring, but their defense isn't bad. They're pretty competitive. Their last few losses haven't been horrible losses. So, oh, except for that Geelong game. (laughs) But, you know, I actually think it's not as bad as people think it is at Collingwood. Now, Jamie, you want to talk about West Coast. And I thought the story from this game, West Coast versus Carlton, was Carlton losing. But you want to talk about West Coast. Yeah, I mean, the the Carlton loss and looking at it from that perspective is absolutely a story coming out of this. Because let's be honest, the world was against West Coast in this game and Carlton had them on a plate to win and they just made it so difficult for themselves. And that absolutely is a storyline that has come out of this game and there are plenty of people talking about that so uh, what I thought is we could talk about the other side of the coin here because I don't think too many people have taken that route West Coast were up against it and they managed to pull out a win and I think that is quite impressive against the odds look at who was out of the side not just senior players but key players to their structure the fact that they were able to work through that and make the most of what they had there, traveling to Sydney, and I know, you know, playing the Swans in Sydney, they haven't had a great track record there, but just the the state itself, they haven't had a tra- good track record in. But Liam Ryan was kind of 
the one that stood up out of all of that. West Coast winning was a big story, but then Liam Ryan was another on top of that. Took a brilliant mark. He kicked four goals, had 17 touches, had eight score involvement. So that's the thing. Going back to a few of the others, you know, they're not just getting the ball and doing not too much with it. They're being very proactive and attacking in it. And Liam Ryan just looks dangerous all day and Carlton had no answers for him. I'm confused about West Coast though, where they sit. I just don't (laughs) understand what's going to happen to them because they're sitting at the moment as of recording, they're sitting just above Richmond on the ladder in the eight. They have some tough games ahead of them playing Richmond and then Western Bulldogs. And then who knows Sydney, I think I don't anticipate they'll win any of those. I don't really know what's going to happen to them, but I will say it was nice to see players like Hearn and Yo back and they're starting to get their, you know, core posse of players back into the side. So there is that upside, but I just, I don't know what to expect from them next. As much as I, I, I respect West Coast and I think they've run a really solid men's program for a number of years. Obviously they, they won the flag in 2018, but I, I can't help but feel that they're just going to be a team that makes up the rest of the eight without really being a threat in finals this year. I can't see a way that they can beat the best teams because even this game, they didn't, they didn't really smash Carlton. They just kind of got the job done. Um, And I know they were without a few players and all this sort of stuff, but they don't put teams away in the way that their list says that they should and they're not consistent enough to be a genuine threat. Like, they might come out and beat a top four side later in the season, but I don't know that that will carry over week to week. Jamie, you messaged me about what you're about to talk about earlier in the week and said, this is what I have to talk about in Pull Your Socks Up. What is it? Who needs to pull their socks up? So I typically like to find something on field to talk about in this segment because I think I find that most interesting. But this one, this is something that has kind of been a bugbear of mine for a really long time, both in the women's and men's games. The, the art of criticism and learning how cr- to use effective criticism when describing how a player is playing or how a team is playing to actually educate your audience and where it tips over into bullying. Um, so I, I, I wrote an article similar to this uh, last year for Siren Sport, if you want to go and look that up. Um, the the conversation kind of obviously is centred around the Max King uh, conversation in the Sydney St Kilda game on the weekend, how for close to the two hours of the game, the two commentators doing that game were very, very focused on Max King and what he was or or wasn't doing right. Um, And it it kind of went past the point of actually being educational in terms of he's young, he's not not able to get into the game, how can he do that? And it fell into them talking about him in a very negative way um, for for a duration that was far too long, but also at the at the detriment of actually calling the game and describing what else was happening on the field. And um, I think it also was a bit disrespectful to Dane Rampey, who was his direct opponent, who 
was playing a very good game and was nullifying a lot of what King was doing as well. And then after the game, you know, the fact that he had a back injury came into it and all this sort of stuff, it's it's finding that fine line. So comment on the fact that Max King has only had one disposal for a goal um, to a certain point in the game and how he might be able to get into the game. That's absolutely relevant. But I think then move on. There's other things to talk about in that game. There was a lot going on in that game. Um, and it was almost like St Kilda losing was a foregone conclusion. So what else can we talk about? Rather than actually um, being reactive to what was happening on the field. And I think that is what was really frustrating because we've seen in AFLW, there are people who will come in and criticize players or teams or the, the competition as a whole on the basis of gender or ability without the context of everything else rather than actually talking about oh okay Richmond have lost this game because they did this this and this because they panic kicked it into the forward line or because they didn't defend this player very well that's that's relevant that's educational and that's how you learn how a team is playing or how why a team is good or why a team is bad but then when you choose to comment on you know their shorts are too small they're exposing too much they're a woman so they can't kick very far um, this 20-year-old underdeveloped key forward has not been able to take marks because he's not getting to the right spots when the reality was his direct opponent was spoiling the ball um, regularly on him. You know, So finding that balance I think is really important and I think some sensitivity in terms of the mental health aspect of this too um, probably needs to be considered as well. And I know I've rambled on about that for a fair while, but it is something that... Uh, really bothers me as a consumer, but also as someone who would like to get into that space. Uh, it's it's so easy to just fall into just being so negative about someone without realizing the broader implications of that. And I think that's what we saw on the weekend. I feel, I think the thing that's really interesting to me in this is where is the line of between. Uh, analysis of the game and when does it get too personal? Because I think we do need to be able to critique. I don't think criticise is the word. I think we need to be able to critique what the players are doing um, and what is going on. And I think that's useful. But to your point, there's a point at which you should probably move on. And I think maybe on the weekend, they just didn't. I do think, you know, Max King, some of Max King's efforts weren't great. And I think it's okay to say that. That might be a bit controversial, but I actually don't mind hearing, see that there, that what there wasn't enough effort from him there. I think that's part of commentating on what's going on. But the, yeah, to then harp on about it and um, the amount to which they clearly, you know, kept going was too much. I always think about it when I was um, a counsellor and a social worker, but one rule of thumb that we would have when we wrote our notes about clients was write them as if they're going to read them. So you might have to write hard things, but write them in a way that if they read that, they would go, yeah, okay, that's fair or that's true. And I feel that way about commentary. Say the hard stuff, do the critique, do the analysis, but say it as if that player is going to hear it back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, But that was the thing that... I think 
it got to a point where it's frustrating because yeah, he wasn't having the best game, but he wasn't the only story in that game, but that was the only story that was being told. And because it was so wholly negative all the time, that's where it became, that's where it crossed the line, I think. And you can fully critique how a player and a player's effort at the ball. I think I tweeted on Friday night during the Melbourne Brisbane game that Bailey Fritch was going to need to put more effort into second um, second efforts against Brandon Stasevich because Stasevich was going to be doing that all night. That's the stuff you want to hear and that's the stuff that I think is educational. Constantly repeating the same ne- negative things about one player for two hours, that's not helpful in any way. No, and it veered into like very much two ex-players having a beer at the game talking about how they would have done it better rather than, you know, an educated uh, furthering of the conversation around the game. And again, ignoring the fact that this is a kid in his second year of football, AFL football, playing on an experienced co-captain, one of the best one-on-one key defenders in the competition. So... And it it just ignored that whole aspect of it too. So I don't think it was giving his opponent enough credit to how he was playing a young kid who's learning out of the game as well. So I think, and then the injury aspect on top of it. Anyway, I know this conversation has been done to death this week, but I I really wanted to have this conversation with you. Mm. No, I think it's important. I think they've probably also been given the feedback loud and clear because we're not the only ones, like you say, who were talking about it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I wanted to bring to the table, Gemma, is a very recent story that's come out today um, about Adam Goods refusing the accolade of AFL Hall of Fame. He's been offered it, I guess, and he's said, no, thank you. Now, I believe this is something that he didn't even necessarily want to hit the papers. He just wanted to quietly refuse and go on his way. But of course, Somebody has leaked it and now we're all talking about it and I am so frustrated by this on so many levels because A, why leak it? I understand people will think it's a story, but how many times can this man be dragged through the media ringer um, before we get that he doesn't want to be a part of this? He's 
actively saying, I'm walking away. I have walked away. I don't need to be a part of this circus. And we keep bringing him into it. It really bothers me. Um, But the other part of this is that I heard some media commentators this morning talk about this and say, ah, well, I thought that time would have healed this for him and that he, you know, he would be in a different position, a better position, you know, in a position to accept something like a hall of fame position. And I just wanted to scream because it's not some, um, something that happened to him that over time he could get over. It's a systemic issue within our culture in, within the AFL industry that he experienced and called out and that will only change when we change the system and the culture. And so that hasn't changed. So why would he have healed by now? Like it just made me so mad. Um, and there's, you know, I'm very interested to see the commentary that continues on from this because I know people will talk about it. And I just think we are, we have another opportunity to engage with this issue, the issue of racism in the industry how will we do it now? You know, people back then when he called it out first, handled it in one way, we have another chance to handle it. And, you know, will people go high or will they drag him through the mud again? Well, yeah, there are a couple of things about all of this that, that are frustrating that bring up as a fan of him and the team that he played for brings back a lot of kind of memories of the time and the way he was treated at the time because the the constant response from a lot of I'm gonna say it racists online is that oh he just constantly wants to attention he wants attention when that's not the case it's the other people choosing to give him attention that then is making uh, it seemed like he's the one asking for that again which is not the case and that wasn't the case back then because he was very eloquent and clear in all those press conferences, in all those TV interviews he did or interviews with the club that he did about why he chose to do the things that he did and why it was important that he call it out. And he spoke so beautifully and educationally. Um, I think a lot of people learned a lot from the way he was speaking, but the people that refused to learn just took it as him trying to big note himself, which uh, that's the first frustration out of all of this is that He hasn't chosen any of this, but he's the one that seems to cop the blame for that. The other part of it is that why why is the expectation that he heal or whatever the other words are and come back when no one on this side of of the coin has done anything to suggest that they've made changes? A lot of the people that caused the problems or stoked the problems still have their jobs no one's been fired for being racist or or encouraging that behavior all those people are still sitting in cushy uh, broadcast jobs or still sitting at AFL house and why why does he have to be the one to change they they should be the ones to change and also like given all of that why would he accept this (laughs) like if you've been bullied and harassed for years in your job like why would you then come back and accept an award for it it just it blows my mind and I mean I'm sure the AFL thought they were doing the right thing by offering it to him but oh that it's clear that in his estimation 
it's not the place for him. And he's he is in all our he's in the hall of fame in all our minds anyway. You know, like we we everybody who knows football knows who he is and what he did and how good a player he is. So it's not like he needs that anyway. And don't you think that if he did accept it, it would be like tacit tacit approval of the system as it is now? Well, it would almost it would almost be like sorry to interrupt you, but it would almost be like him saying that everything's okay now when it's not because not they've done nothing to change. Like, look at who was calling games on the weekend. People who either have been publicly racist with jokes against him in the past or people who fully negated the value of what he was doing in that time and have kept their jobs for the last five years and he's the one that has had to be completely removed from the thing that he loved because of how poorly he was treated. And I think, yeah, it's it's very disappointing and I love that Adam Goods feels like he can still be connected with the Swans and be connected with the Mangrook game, as we spoke about last week, I'm devastated that he can't be more connected with footy because footy is a thing that I love and I can't, it's very hard in my mind. And I know this is not about me, but I find it very hard in my mind to reconcile the fact that this thing that I love has treated someone so brilliant, so poorly. Oh, welcome to my life, Gemma. (laughs) And my world, that's, that's exa- what you just said is exactly what people, I think, on the margins, margins think about all the time. I know you have when it comes to AFLW that this thing that we do love often treats us so badly. And, but that's why we do what we do. Moving on now, Gemma, to something a little bit different. It's time for the presser, uh, where we ask questions that we would love to ask if we were in the press conference. Um, But maybe some of our questions would be a bit too dodgy for the the real thing. You have quite a legit question, actually, this week. I'd love for you to ask it. I found this segment very hard to put together this week. I'll Mm. be very honest. It was, Um, wasn't it? Yeah, so I've actually chosen a question for a coach who didn't coach on the weekend because uh, they had the bye. But Al Clarkson would have been keenly watching the Sydney-St Kilda game and how well St Kilda's pressure um, kind of worried the Swans out of clean ball movement for a lot of the game. So I'd love to ask him what he took away from that and how, some strategies he could implement um, with the, the team he's got at his disposal to use that against the swans and shut their game down i would love to hear the answer one day we'll we'll ask all of these (laughs) no one day we'll go rogue and get media passes and sit in the press conference and lob questions aflw press conferences are so much more relaxed than the men's ones the aflw ones are just like whatever and you just stand there out on the field whereas the men's ones are like full on I do like the W ones because it is the out on the field, the post game. It does feel like you've just hung around a bit to ask a few questions. Um, it is quite nice, although still very blokey. I'd love to see more women at the W presses. Uh, I have a question for Stewie Jew. God, I hope I meet him one day. I don't. I don't know why. <laughs> I just. I feel like we'd get along. Anyway, <laughs> Stewie. 
Dewey Jew, I would like to ask you, are you lighting every candle under the sun and praying to the footy gods to bless Matt Rao ahead of his return this week? <laughs> He's surely got every single thing he could possibly cross crossed um, and just hoping that this poor boy has an injury-free season. What a return this will be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. When when we get to watch the best players play, we're the ones that win out of this. So it's in everyone's best interest that Matt Rowell stays on the park playing footy, isn't it? And uh, just to um, rewind a little bit back to what we were talking about er- earlier, I hope the media lay off him and just give him some clear space to do his thing, to not build up the pressure. I know they probably will, but let's just all give him some time to get back to his best self. Well, speaking of really good midfielders, <laughs> you have a play on performer for us this week that I am so thrilled about. <laughs> uh, so I've chosen Christian Petrarca for this one because <laughs> <laughs> I think he was very much the architect of Melbourne's second half kind of surge towards that win. And it was a, what, a 40, 42 point, 46 point turnaround, something like that. Just an amazing um, game is what I remember. Yeah. So he, he kicked two goals. He had 26 disposals, six tackles, nine clearances, nine score involvements, seven inside fifties. And, and above all, he had 724 meters gained, which was more than 200 more than the second most on the ground. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, before I was talking about, you know, Collingwood's young players not just getting the ball and kind of using it in, a, in quite an easy way, they're actually being proactive. That Christian Petrarca is the definition of that. He wasn't just clearing the ball with a small handball and relying on others to do that work for him. He's the one that's breaking away from those stoppages. He's the one that's creating that dynamic play at Melbourne, which is so fun to watch. But uh, as an extra layer to this, he and... Clayton Oliver kind of combined to be this really powerful duo because both of them are able to do that in a way that complements one another. They're not taking the ball from one another. They found this really brilliant way of making space for each other or knowing when to go as compared to when the other is going to go. And they've got this really great dynamic going between them. And it's just a joy to watch them being at their best because I think we've talked about what they can do, what their potential is for a really long time. We're seeing it this year. I feel like Clayton Oliver has a bit of grunt that actually weirdly Petrarca doesn't have. Um, Petrarca is much more silky and smooth and skillful, but I do love Clayton Oliver's effort and uh, the aggression he shows. I do want to say with Petrarca, I think, what he's doing this season is very similar to Bontempelli and Dustin Martin in that he's showing that he has another gear now. So when he needs to find that in a game, he can do that and then win the game, you know, or help his team win. And that's what you see with Dusty. That's what Dusty does time and time again. He just finds that next gear. I think that's what puts him in that league of great players. And I love to see it. On to previewing the next round. Gemma, what game are you going to preview for us? So I kind of alluded to this one earlier, but the Sydney Hawthorne game, um, 
actually looms as a really fun game this weekend because they do I know Hawthorne have kind of fallen away a bit and Sydney are back on the up but they do still have that rivalry about them they do still have those players that have crossed from one to the other Josh Kennedy today um, signed an extra year at the Swans he's a co-captain and he was part of that trade way back when um Obviously, Buddy is on track and everyone's tracking to see when he'll reach a thousand goals. And then Tom Mitchell is on the other side of that um, playing down at Hawthorne. This is a rivalry that may be a little bit quieter now, but it's still very fierce. And that's what I look forward to, because even in even in 2017, where Sydney went zero and six and still made finals, the only two games they lost in the home and away season after going zero and six were both against Hawthorne, both by six points. Of course. I love this. Yeah. I love this rivalry, which I always find really hard to say. <laughs> rivalry. Um, I love this mainly because in my mind, whenever I see Sydney and Hawthorne are playing, it takes me back to the grand finals and the desserts, the themed desserts that I made for our grand final party. So I don't know, every time I see the word Sydney v Hawthorne, in my head I see um, white chocolate mousse in, covered in r- raspberries in the shape of the Sydney V. And <laughs> chocolate cupcakes with caramel icing to make the Hawthorne jumper. That is what Sydney versus Hawthorne means to me. I'm previewing Port Adelaide versus Geelong. Now, I don't have heaps to say about it, except that I'm looking forward to it. It will be interesting. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if Dangerfield is coming back for this one. And I think that Geelong travel quite well. They're quite competitive at Adelaide Oval, which is so far where this is scheduled to be played. So I think it'll be a really good one. Yeah, it's a good one to pick out because Port are notoriously quite good at home and quite poor away from home. So um, it should be a fairly good matchup. Although Geelong off a bye, notoriously poor. True. Uh, I just... All I want for, for, from football at the moment is competitive games because I can't go anywhere. I'm locked in my house. I'm not locked in my house, but look, I've got nothing to do in lockdown. All I have is good football. So please do it for us. All right. Time for some listener questions. Gemma, first cab off the rank. Can Harry Mackay hold on and win the Coleman given that he is injured? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he got concussed during the game, which was really unfortunate on the weekend. You never want to see someone concussed, let alone three players concussed in one game. Um, and he's kind of battling that shoulder. So it may actually come at a good time for him where he's forced out of the game for, for 12 days or whatever it is, because that way his shoulder can c- recover a little bit as well. Um, I would love to see Harry Mackay win the Coleman. I think that would be so fun. But there are also so many players that are just popping up and kicking bags and playing really consistent football too. So uh, I'll sit on the fence with this one. Uh, I have, I tweeted really stupidly that Tex Walker might win the Coleman and I regret putting it in writing now, but um, was that? You never know. Well, Murphy's law means that now he absolutely will not win. Oh, so you want him to win? No, I just thought he might. Uh, that was my prediction that he Oh, might. yeah. He's been playing very well, too. He has been. 
Anyway, let's hope I'm proven right. Next question. Taylor Harris to Melbourne. Do you like it? She's, of course, been traded to Melbourne from Carlton. What do you think? Yeah, I think that Melbourne got away with robbery this trade period. They've got both Harris and Purcell in. I think that's the bigger get, personally. Purcell, yeah. Well, Purcell also will be coming off an ACL and with the, the move of the season to December gives her less time to be ready for next season. But she's the kind of player that Melbourne don't need to come in and have an immediate impact because they do already have a strong midfield. So that gives Purcell time to get back as well, which is a big positive for both parties. Harris, there's so much negativity, and we kind of had this conversation last week about Frederick. Um, Harris, I think, is a really great addition for Melbourne. A, because they got her for very little because Carlton had already showed their hand that they didn't want her around or weren't willing to offer her a contract. So that was one thing. But also, if you look at Melbourne's forward setup, now that Tegan Cunningham has announced her retirement, and she didn't really play much forward this year anyway, Shelley Scott is a big kind of centre-half forward, marking forward, who is in her 30s, so won't be around for that much longer, you would assume. Then Alyssa Bannon, whose body still needs to be built up and she still needs to work on that a little bit, as talented as she is. And Jackie Parry is kind of the one in between because Eden Zanker is playing on the ball. So I actually like Harris coming in and taking a bit of pressure off Bannon as she develops. And then they can become a really formidable duo and then Jackie Parry can take over that Shelley Scott role a little bit more leading out of the 50. So it's actually a great move for Melbourne and the circumstances kind of fell their way given the talk around her, her viability at Carlton and all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm fully expecting her to come out next year and, and actually have a big year because you have one down year in AFLW and people completely write you off. You don't have any chance to improve in a nine-week season or a seven-week season when you're having a down year. It's very hard to improve throughout such a short season. I'm expecting her to come in next year and really kind of blow the top off it. Gosh, I hope so. It is very nice to see her come home in inverted commas. Um, And it's nice to see her back in that jumper. Uh, Thoughts on Chloe Dalton to GWS? Chloe Dalton is exactly the kind of player that GWS need. Um, She's going to complement the inside midfield strength that the Giants have, but give them that run that they have been needing so desperately because they do have a a fairly imbalanced list. And then when you consider the fact that Al Bennett's has moved to the dogs, um, the fact that they've got some run, some reliable run, and also a fairly skillful player kicking forward is super beneficial to the Giants. That's a great move too. Gosh, it's so nice to talk about AFLW again. I've really missed it, but we will keep talking M until the W returns. Speaking of M, let's get our tips in for the week. First cab off the rank is Port Adelaide versus Geelong. We talked about it earlier. I think Port Adelaide will win this at home. Yeah, I'm going with Port as well. Next is Sydney versus Hawthorne. I think Sydney get this one. Uh, yes, I would love, love, love to see Logan McDonald kick another couple of goals and maybe get a Rising Star nomination this week. Yeah, I think Sydney get the uh, white chocolate mousse on this one. <laughs> 
Uh, Freo versus Gold Coast Suns. I have no idea with this one. I mean, this is my um, who cares cup of the round, but. How can you say that with Freo and Gold Coast? They're two of my favorite clubs in the W. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking Gold I'm Coast. Really I, I, yeah, going to go Gold Coast off the bye. A little bit of momentum with a win and then potentially the Matt Rowell factor helps as well. Not to put too much pressure on him. Can I copy you and also say Gold Coast Suns? I mean, you do you. Uh, next is St Kilda versus Adelaide. I think Adelaide will get over the line here. Same, actually. And I hope Tex Walker kicks a bag um, and gets him closer to that Coleman, only to prove me right. It's the only okay. reason I want that. Uh, North Melbourne versus Giants. Uh, I think the Giants have this. Yeah, same. Uh, West Coast Eagles versus Richmond. This will be a great game to watch. I think Richmond will win this. Yeah, I don't know that West Coast are going to yelp much for the rest of the season. No, they've really got a tough run this next few games. Queen's birthday game. I'm so devastated that I cannot be at this game and look forward to it every year. Melbourne versus Collingwood. If Melbourne don't win this, I mean... I do keep thinking they have to drop a game. Like, obviously, they've dropped one, but I really thought by now they would have dropped more. And so every week I go into it thinking, oh, well, it'll be this week. I think Melbourne had a statement game last week. I think this is going to be percentage builder game. <laughs> Sorry, Collingwood fans. And then that's it. We've got a whole bunch of buys. I really... Ugh, I hate that we're in lockdown for the buys because we really well, needed we, games. We might not... We might not be in lockdown yes. by this weekend. Fingers crossed on Friday we are out of lockdown and we can all be at pubs watching games or something. I don't know. Neither of us <laughs> drink, so that was that doesn't work. <laughs> well, I think that's it for us today. If you would like to talk to us, ask us questions. We love your questions and they have been great coming in. Uh, contact us on Twitter. We are at Play on Radio Melb. I am at Rana Huss. And you are? GL Bastiani. Uh, and we will see you online. Thanks so much for joining us. Who needs love when you've got footy, actually? deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.